The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Wednesday, July thirty first, twenty nineteen. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by the People's Champ Matt Baxendale as we bid farewell to July. Um, but hey, that means football is just around the corner. Ohio State's preseason camp kicks off Friday. We will get into that in a minute. Um, Bax, I want to start off with Bijan Robinson. It's been three days now, but it still stings big time, especially. Um, you know, when you consider that even Ohio State's coaches, from what we understand, were completely blindsided by this. They were told Bijan was going to be a Buckeye. Um, and, you know, they were as surprised as anybody when when things drastically changed um, over the weekend. Um, first time you and I have talked about it, just your reaction to the Bijan Robinson situation. Yeah, it was an open secret that he was going to be a Buckeye. I mean, it, w- it was pretty damn obvious. And something very clearly changed, and we don't know what it was. Uh, you can speculate. Any way you want about what changed, the truth is, is that he was going to Ohio State full stop. And both of the Bills stepped in and said, wow, we just found out what's going on here. And, you know, hey, this is why Bill Curlick is the dean. He had it right. He knew right after everything went down and let everybody know right away. Well, I believe his daughter was supposed to be having a wedding shower or getting married or something crazy that day. Such how dedicated Bill is to doing his damn job. But, you know, the truth is, this this is horrible for OSU. This is you know, we also, we always talked about how Urban Meyer would lose a kid and he'd shrug and go and find a better one. It's hard to find a better one than one of the top tailbacks in the country, five-star kind of guy, you know? So the, the, this one really hurts. And with all the rumors about, you know, Knighton going to Florida State instead of OSU, which is mind-boggling as well, if you think about what Florida State situation is as a program right now, uh, you're hitting a full reset button right now on the running back recruiting in a year where, you know, I think we all thought it was about to be wrapped up with exactly what OSU wanted in the tailback and the all-purpose back sort of pairing that they were trying to get together here. So good news is that this is uh, – it's July still. It's its not January. So there's still plenty of time to find somebody, but it's not going to quite be the absolute sheer home run like we thought it was going to be. Yeah, that leads into the next thing. Let's assume that ship has sailed, and, you know, no matter what has been reported elsewhere – Bill Kerlick, who was the first to report this for a reason, he's hearing it from high places, so I'll just leave it at that, um, you know, has been told, Bijan's not coming here. So, yeah, things can change.
cliches never say never, but it's not like Ohio State's being told, hey, there's still a chance here. Ohio State's not being told that. So for the sake of, you know, reality, let's just say that that ship has sailed for Bijan. Um, how do you think all of this is going to shake out in the end? Um, give me specific names who might fill out this class, and do you think in the end we're going to look back on this 2020 class and not say, hey, they got somebody better than Bijan. I'm not saying that. But let's say, do you think they're going to get two guys where we're like, okay, this is actually a, not just a uh, moderately good running back class, it's actually an Ohio State running back class. Just what do you expect to happen from here backs for the 2020 running back class for Ohio State? Well, I certainly think there's going to be a scouring of the country for the top uncommitted guys or guys who are highly rated that maybe are committed to a school that OSU thinks they can spatula. Uh, Ryan Day is taking notes from Urban right now about his ability to flip. That's for darn sure. And uh, I think at this point you have to assume they're going to go out and they're going to talk to everyone. Uh, there's been a lot of scuttlebutt about E.J. Smith right now. He comes from pretty good bloodlines. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, so, you know, I think everybody's sort of disappointed. But, again, this is a guy is a top 150 recruit, so I don't know if it's really that much of a disappointment. You know, think about two years ago when OSU landed Master Teague and Brian Sneed, both of them were top 247 guys, and everybody thought it was an awesome haul. So I think it's more of recalibrating expectations versus saying, oh, my God, OSU's screwed. They're not going to get anyone. Um, I think what makes this really interesting, if you want to talk about recruiting drama, is – uh, look at the guys back home here in Ohio who they sort of passed over thinking, now nah, we're going to get better guys. We got Milton or Knighton or, you know, Robinson or whatever. Well, now you got to take a hard look and say, do we go back after Trainum again or is that ship sailed? You know, is Michael Drennan a guy that they're going to really want or do they think he's not going to end up being a tailback, which is the rumor we're hearing around here. They think he's better suited elsewhere. So I think that's some of the drama that's going to happen here. Long term, they'll probably find somebody who's going to be perfectly darn good. and. This is OSU. It's not that difficult to find good tailbacks. And candidly speaking, tailbacks is a spot where sometimes you end up pulling absolute gems uh, from guys who maybe not as high as rated. Remember when OSU got Ezekiel Elliott to commit to them? He was a three-star kid when Urban got him. And then he grew into a four-star guy, but he was not a five-star recruit. Zeke Elliott's the best tailback in college football the last five years. So, you know, again, it's, it's recruiting. You're hoping. You're optimistic. You think you have a better chance of having an elite player with a five-star guy, but you don't know. This isn't the old EA Sports video games that, God bless them, I miss them to this day, where you got the five-star recruit and you could start him as a freshman and he was an 88 rating or something. So, you know, I don't want to call this panic time. I think you're looking at a staff that's going to have to show us how they can rebound, that's for sure, and there's a lot of twists and turns. But I don't think OSU is going to go out and land the number 65 tailback in the country or something like that and have people sitting there going, well, that's clearly plan C. All right, this is a question I keep getting asked, and you know, I'll just preface this, preface this with, I, I really like Tony Alford. You know, I know him, I don't want to say personally, but like, you know, just him being around and for a while now and many times we've interviewed him and uh, you kind of just get to know a guy a little bit and uh, you know, we've even talked off the record a few times. So I've got to know him a little bit. And so I like him personally. I just want to throw that out there, full disclosure. Um, and I don't want to say I give him a pass for Bijan because I understand that you know that maybe if, if that if that uh, bond was you know just absolutely airtight that maybe this wouldn't have happened. But I also look at the the full track record for Tony Alford. I mean, you, know, you mentioned Master Teague, and you know, and uh, I think Master Teague's going to be a, a wonderful running back for Ohio State. And you look at he's got legit, you know, legit low four four speed. They say he was clocked in the four threes this summer by Mickey Marotti. Now, would he run a four three at the NFL Combine? Perhaps not, but there, there's no doubt he had run a four four. And he's a physical dude at 220 pounds. He's just a redshirt freshman. That was a good get getting him out of Tennessee. And they got 
Brian Sneed in that same class, and it's certainly not Tony Alford's fault that that fell apart. Uh, there's been other good backs he's landed, like Mike Weber and others. Uh, I think, you know, Marcus Crowley, we'll see how that turns out. And uh, so I like Tony Alford. I think he's also done a good job developing running backs. J.K. Dobbins, of course, a guy he recruited, and he's developed. Um, but the, the question I'm going to ask you is the one I keep getting asked. And, I, you know, like I said, I defend Tony Alford, but did Tony Alford blow this, or is this just a case of shit happens in recruiting? Shit absolutely happens in recruiting. That's, that's the first and foremost thing. That's not, and you, you don't even talk about Tony Alford. Shit happens in recruiting all the time. You know, we'll see what happens with D. John Robinson. You know, if he ends up, you know, at one of these other schools, it is what it is, right? If he all of a sudden starts being interested in Auburn, then you know what happened. So, you know, it's just one of those things where I don't think you can blame Tony Alford for a kid who was literally across the country who was ready to come here and then change his mind at the last minute. Shit happens. It's recruiting. It's, you know, it's all, all fair in love and war and recruiting is pretty much the way I'd look at it. And we just mentioned all these names that Tony Alford's brought in here. And there's some people who say, oh, Tony Alford should be fired. You can't recruit, blah, 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 blah. I just told him two classes ago he pulled two top 24-7 guys. Brian Sneed was, what, the number three or four tailback in the country? Isn't that good enough? Like, is he supposed to just poop out Zeke Elliott's every year? Come on. Like, it, it, life doesn't work that way. Right, and I'm sorry, but like you know, look at the guys he's had come through here. I'm sorry, J.K. Dobbins has turned out to be a fantastic player in recruiting. Anybody who watched Crowley at the spring game has to be impressed. We have to wait and see what we get in a master Teague, but he could be a darn good player. There's been plenty of other good tailbacks here during this time period. To me, it's like okay, we've been spoiled. Bluntly put, Carlos Hyde, then Zeke Elliott. When you have two guys of that caliber back to back at OSU, that's freaking awesome. You're not always going to have that guy. You know, guess what? Mike Weber was very good, wasn't great. It's okay. You're not always going to have, you know, the the world's greatest tailback of all time. Again, you're not always going to have Zeke. It just doesn't work that way. You're not always going to have Carlos Hyde. But a school like OSU should have kids like that for sure. I get it. I can hear all the people in the front row going, blah, 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 blah. This is Ohio State. We should always have the best of the best. I agree completely. But guess what? Sometimes those kids take a year or two to develop. What happens if Master T goes out this year and runs for 1,200 yards and J.K. Dobbins continues to be a major threat? Does everybody still be bitching about Tony Alford? Come on. This guy has a good track record. There's plenty of coaches we've had on the staff in the past that have a much worse track record in recruiting and in the way that their players perform on the field. Tony Alford's nowhere near the top of my let's see how they do this year list. Put it that way. I think he's more than fine. And I'm sorry, I'm not just waving the OSU flag here. Give the guy some credit for his track record. I think it's the... It's one of those childish reactions of, like, when you drop your ice cream cone, you cry right away. Okay, we didn't get the B. John Robinson sprinkles covered with chocolate. I'm sorry. I would have loved to have had him. Don't get me wrong. We don't even know that they haven't gotten Knighton yet. Just It seems like there's a big swing towards Florida State. There's six months left in the cycle. Chill the heck out, people. Tony Alford's doing a perfectly good job with the tailbacks. Well said. Uh, enough about recruiting for the rest of the show. As promised, let's talk about camp starting this Friday. It's exciting. We'll be out there covering it. Um, a decent amount of camp will be open to the media um, this uh, fall, well, this summer. I don't know why people call it fall camp. It's you know we still got uh, at least a few weeks of summer left. Um, preseason camp is what I call it. But there's going to be a decent amount of. Uh, you know, media opportunities, not just to interview the guys, but to watch some practice during camp. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, Friday, um, you know, let's look at what's going to be the focus, obviously not just for the first day, but the first few weeks of camp in general backs. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Just what do you think the biggest focus or, you know, biggest, uh, you can name more than one if you want to. You can name areas of focus, but uh, just offensively, what do you think they're going to be focusing on the most? 
how long do we have for this podcast? Because we could we could do this for like you know an hour. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, we're only limited. We're only limited to five minutes, obviously. <laughs> yes, it's, it's always five. You and I had a hard five. It literally shuts off, right? That's how it works. So, um, I think that the answer to that is very simple. Everybody's going to want to talk about Justin Fields, but I think that's the least important part of the whole process. Like candidly. If you look at the the situation that they have with the offensive line, I think we all want to know who the starters are there. Uh, I think we want to know who are the wide receivers in the formation going to be. Who are we going to see this year whenever you have, you know, it's Austin Mack and, and Ben Victor. Are they going to overrun these younger guys? Are they going to be difference makers? Or the younger guys who are up behind them? Is Garrett Wilson going to be a guy who comes out and play? What's our tight end situation look like? You've got Luke Farrell, and he's awesome, sure. But guess what? you still got Rashad Berry on the team. You've still got uh, Jeremy Ruckert as a young guy who's going to be a big-time player for the Buckeyes. You'd think he has all the skills in the world. He was one of those five-star kind of guys coming out of high school. And then the tailback situation, sure, J.K. Dobbins is great, but who's going to be the other guy? Is Marcus Crowley's bowling ball style going to get him on the field right away? Is, is, is Master Teague that got the speed that we think he does? Can he run between tackles and be the offset to J.K. Dobbins? Those are much bigger questions to me than whether or not Justin Fields is going to be good or very good. I think his his floor is much higher than people seem to think when it comes to fields. But that's what everybody's going to want to talk about is Justin Fields. His quarterback's a sexy position. Everywhere else to me is much more fascinating than the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, to close the show, what um, what sparks your interest the most? What do you think they're going to be focused on the most? Well, I mentioned this in the bucket last week that I think it's going to be interesting to see how the rotation plays out in the secondary with Halfley's NFL influence of maybe some of these guys play less. But you're not going to know that in camp. So I think the real camp question is not going to be the D-line because you know you have a ton of great players there, and that's just going to see, you know, hopefully nobody gets hurt. The secondary, you've got a good, strong group of people, and outside of how the bullet integrates, really that's not that much of a concern. I'm pretty confident in the secondary this year. You're going to be linebackers. Let's be blunt. Outside of Malik Harrison, there's a lot of turmoil at that spot. You know, I think some people are penciling Pete Warner in to start right away at one of the outside spots. We'll see. You know, Warner wasn't bad, wasn't good last year. Let's face it, nobody in the linebackers was really good last year outside of Harrison, who flashed at times. And then, of course, there's a the much ballyhooed middle linebacker position. I don't think there's – I think Tuff Borland has inherited J.T. Barrett's old role as the sort of flashpoint guy on the team, where if you bring him up, everybody has a very strong opinion, positive or negative, towards him. It's like we're shifting into polarized camps of Tuff Borland sucks or Tuff Borland's fine and you should be not so mean to him. It's like it used to be with JT, right? And at this point with Tough, it's, you know, not to play a pun, but it's tough to see him being able to go out and be able to run with some of these more modern offenses. He's the kind of player who 10 years ago, you know, he's like an Austin Spittler clone. It would have been perfect for one of the old school styles where they run between the tackles and he's always on the ball. And, hey, when Tough gets there, he can tackle. He forces fumbles. Remember the Penn State game last year right before halftime? OSU was just getting drilled in the game. It was 13-0. They looked like they were getting murdered. And Tough forced a fumble, and OSU made a 13-7.5, and, and they ended up winning that game. It's not like Tough Borland's not a playmaker. I just don't know if he has the wheels to be the guy on defense. He's got the you know whole ability to call the defense, and he's an old-school football player. But is he fast enough? Does he react well enough in space to play middle linebacker on a modern defense? I don't know. I don't, candidly, I don't think so. And I think that's why you're going to very much close to see a guy like Taraja Mitchell or even Baron Browning, who I think is better suited to being a rush-outside kind of guy than he is at me, a middle linebacker. Those are the guys you're going to be watching this year. And I think the middle linebacker spot is going to be one that we're all going to watch extremely closely because I I think it it kind of reminds me a little bit of when you had Raekwon McMillan coming in as a five-star and Curtis Grant was the incumbent guy who had been there for a while 
we were all kind of annoyed with him, kind of like we're all kind of annoyed with Tuff, except Curtis wasn't his athleticism was a question. It just seemed like he was always in the wrong spot at the wrong time, right? And when Raycon was there to push him, you know, Raekwon and him sort of split reps that year that they won the title. And guess what? Curtis Grant's play went up significantly being pushed. So maybe tough being pushed by a younger guy, maybe being healthier, we hope, will allow us to have a higher level of play from him. But, you know, that's one of the great unknowns right now is whether he can physically elevate to a, a higher speed level. Because so this is a kid who seems to have all the intangibles. It's just whether he's able to actually track down guys in space. And I think that's really the great unknown of this year's OSU defense. This was a great Bucknuts Morning 16. He is the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. I really appreciate it, Bax, and I appreciate all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us that means you need to join us on fantasy baseball today in five part of the cbs sports podcast network join scott white chris towers and me frank stample every monday through saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of march we'll break down the latest news spring training updates players to target and much more in just five minutes make sure to download and follow on apple Podcasts, spotify the odyssey app and everywhere else podcasts are found